Hello. Hello. Hello, how are you? I am Robot Peter. <laughs> I can't see your video. What, yeah, I'm sorry this, about that. This is a conscious conscious thing, not the... Yeah, I wasn't feeling very uh, particularly attractive today, so I've decided to... Um, basically, what, what you're seeing is uh, I've taken a Polaroid of myself when I was looking a bit better, and mm-hmm. I put that up. Um, I've sort of positioned it in front of the camera so you can see... You know, me and my shinier days. Is this this isn't something to do with me? No, it's got nothing to do with the the slagging that I constantly get from you. No, sarcasm. <laughs> uh, insert sarcasm. Sarcasm inserted <laughs> gently. Well, I hope I hope you feel better, Peter. Um, I'm trying to take I'm trying to take a new stance uh, with you, and I feel that maybe I was reading about how it's it's related to more sort of child psychology, but I kind of feel it works with you, and it's about just not always not always dismissing bad behavior, but acknowledging good behavior, and I think I need to be a bit more like that with you and acknowledge when you're being good. Like today, you're being relatively good, you know. And I should acknowledge that. So here I am, acknowledging your good behaviour. You're only saying that because you can't see me. I'm giving you the bloody <laughs> finger right now. <laughs> Use your imagination, okay? Yeah, well, do you know, yeah, I'm using my imagination, okay? Okay, it's your wedding day. Mm-hmm. Your dad... He's waiting for you at the altar. He hands you a bunch of flowers. It's a bouquet. You hand them to your best friend, Peter the Heater, me. I throw them into the crowd as is tradition, where they're caught by a small boy. It's Peter the Heater from the past. That's right, he's here at your wedding day. And he wants to say, Concha, we're so proud of you. <laughs> Me and, and full-size Peter and your dad and your mum, she's there too. And we think you're going to make a lovely husband. Okay. Who am I marrying? I don't know. That's not the important part. The important part is we're proud of you. Thanks, Peter. So that's some good behaviour for you. (laughs) So today's guest is Silk. I've heard of them. Yeah. (laughs) One of the top Northern Irish musicians of all time. Yeah, um, I shouldn't say this, but Silk would be one of my one one of my favourites, um, brilliant artist, and uh, maybe because I'm a bit biased, I was I was kind of I supported them in one of their first big gigs in Belfast. What's your sort of if you were to s- tell me about your interview style? Would you say mm-hmm. you're like a bad interviewer or like a really bad? What's your technique? Hmm. 
It's, I think that's not up for me to decide. Uh, what would you say? I'd say his name is Connor and he shits the bed, shits the bed. He's got a tiny little pin for a head. Up in his lonely room, where he's spying on you. Oh, what can he do? He still needs you, but he is still a dickhead. <laughs> quite the introduction. Liquid Hi, so we're here with Brady. How are you getting on, Brady? I'm getting on good. I'm in... I don't even know where I am, really. I'm in the middle of Donegal. Just okay. having a nice time, really. We're making an album, but more so it just feels like a holiday. Lovely, yeah. Just to get out of the house, I'm sure. Get away from... You're, you're based in Brighton, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Um, you know, it's just amazing to actually like feel purposeful and like you're actually doing something <laughs> meaningful. After so long of just kind of sitting around. And I think as well, like me and the rest of the guys on the album have just been looking forward to it so much. It's so good to all actually be together and just make music again. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Lovely. And we'll, we'll, we'll dive into the third album um, later on. First time I met you was about 10 years ago and I'm actually going to be a wee bit sick I'm thinking about that that was the 10 fact years you ago. The said 10 years ago makes me feel weird. Yeah, I know. Because we were children, you definitely were a child. I, I would think it was still in my teens. Um, but <laughs> you were doing a... We were, it, it was for Belfast Music Week and you were the headline. You were headlining the show and it was kind of a big buzz in Belfast and it, it was actually my first gig and I was supporting. <laughs> and... I remember looking at the guest list, like uh, the the guy who was putting the, the show on, show he's like, oh, "This is the guest list," and there's all these labels and people that I like. Just was like, "What the fuck?" And I was like, "Brady must be petrified." And then about two minutes later, you, <laughs> you you came around the corner with your camera. I was like, well, "Can I take a picture of you?" And I was like, "What is wrong with this person?" <laughs> Not like in the slight bit nervous, but like. Do you, first of all, do you remember that? And then, can you, if you do, can you remember being like, being that like, what you felt at that point? Because like, you just seemed like you. I don't know from the outside, it seemed like it just was water for ducks back. It didn't really affect you. <laughs> um, I re- I don't remember that. Sp- I re- well, I remember McHugh's and like my early gigs in Belfast very well because it all was so exciting and just the thrill of performing felt incredible because I was still so new to the whole like show really um I remember just kind of there was like a moment when things really started to pick up and people got interested and it all got very like legit for like I don't know me what I was doing I was just having a nice time playing music and really just that was the the priority of the whole thing was just to make music and to be in front of people and to learn the trade kind of in that way. And whenever things started picking up and people got interested in it, I actually, I kind of nearly thought it was like funny and like not real because I don't know, there was never any sort of monetary incentive with any of it. It was just like, I'm just going to try this thing and if it goes well, that's cool. And I'm just going to like have a nice time. So whenever it became businessy and people interested in that capacity it 
I don't know. I don't think I took it very seriously at the time, to be honest. That's probably why I wasn't nervous. Because no, I thought it like was it. kind of just like a joke. Like, I I didn't realize at that moment in time, just because I was young and naive and I was so new to it, how, like, significant those moments were and, like, people traveling to see your show and people interested like that. I just presumed that that was normal because I didn't know any better. Yep. So I think maybe at that point in time, I kind of took for granted that there was a buzz and stuff. But maybe also... In retrospect, I think maybe I like maybe it was a really good thing that I didn't realize like what kind of things were happening because I think it was better to be kind of ignorant and ignorance mm-hmm. is bliss and stuff like that, um, and it let me kind of just preserve what I was doing as innocent and genuine without any sort of other influence. If you get mm-hmm. me, it, absolutely. And you you seem like you're well protected. You seem like your family and stuff were looking after you. And was, yeah. Like, that's the thing around that point in time too that it was really lucky that like (laughs) my mum kind of had some sort of inkling of what was happening because if it was just left to me and my devices I don't know what the fuck would have happened like I really genuinely was just playing everything by ear and kind of just seeing what was going to happen so I was lucky to have my mum and stuff to like keep an eye from afar you know Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and I don't want to leave her on too much but like did the I remember like reading it might have been like an interview or like watching an interview and you were saying like you didn't, you were, you kind of got sick of the thing about you being so young. Like you were a bit, like that was a, because you were like, I don't know, I don't know you exactly, but you were like 15 or 16 or like it was really, yeah. like how do you, do you reflect on that now? Does it still like, are you glad to kind of not be, like you're still young, like, but are you glad, <laughs> are you kind of glad to be away from that? That people aren't going, oh, what a talent for being 15 or what, you know? Yeah, it was really weird because like for in me and my body and in my brain I was just doing what I was doing and I thought age was so irrelevant to absolutely anything like yeah what I don't know like I feel like what I was saying in my eyes would have felt as significant at literally any age and it felt really weird to have a lot of older people be like oh, wise beyond their years and things like that like because I didn't feel that way in any capacity in myself as a person. I actually just felt very, I felt very young, actually, the more I would be amongst these older people, because I was so naive in the industry and I didn't really understand a lot of it or wasn't very knowledgeable about music history or anything. Um, so to be called wise beyond your ears when you're literally just like vibing, like when you're literally just like <laughs> doing your thing uh, because you're that age and you're doing it, just felt a bit... You know, it was a weird label to have pushed on me and I didn't like that. I, w- I felt like I was going to have to live up to that as time went on and have to be very knowledgeable and <laughs> wisdom. And I, like, to be honest, like my friends would l- laugh so much at that because like I talk so much. I like literally <laughs> just like sitting and just saying stupid things and messing around. And I just thought it was comedic for people to presume that of me um, just because I said, you know, some 15 year old poetry kind of things. I don't know. <laughs> It was weird, and yeah. now that I'm older, I can look back on it, and I still find it funny. And, like, I, I, in the same way, I don't want to be like, fuck those people, because that was really nice of people to say, and I get what they were trying to... I get what they were going for, and there was definitely moments where I found that as, like, really complimentary. But at this age now, when I can... I don't know, when I've lived through some of the industry and learned more... I can look back on it and be like, that was really nice of those people to take me seriously at that age. Um, and I look at it from more that angle that I was not taken as like a, I don't know, a token or something. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I, th- I think it's just, I think the maybe the older you get, I don't know, maybe you, you think about those things, you know, you know, when you hear someone so young say, say something that, that you would find it hard to articulate or whatever, you know, maybe that's just them grasping at that being like, God, you know, I wish yeah. I possessed that wisdom, but in, as in reality, wisdom and songwriting is completely different into the wisdom, the social situations you probably yeah. were in when you were 15 or, I, you know, whatever. I actually think more than anything, I think it was that, like, I was so young and, like, not full of any real, I didn't really have any element of self-doubt or I didn't really think much about what I was doing or saying at any point around you know 15 16 17 and I think more so it was that that I was just saying things as I felt without filtering them was yeah. what was maybe wise because I don't know I feel like as I've got older I've def- I definitely have become to filter things more and doubt things more and I think that's what the wise really means is just you're authentic I don't know yeah no that that makes total sense I think there is a switch like I, I felt too when I was about 18 and I just like I don't know. I just had this like, one experience, and I almost like that's when my consciousness began. I know, I know it was conscious. Yeah. I knew it was conscious <laughs> before that, but uh, and then I think I got it again, like a few years later, even more. I so. completely know what you mean, yeah. though. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely like a little click moment where you're like, "Wow, things was, look different now." <laughs> was I even a person then? It's like, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, like, I suppose when you have, so you remember you had the first. EP you had with Sea Creatures when it was it was Trains was it and then you did the Sea Creatures EP Trains and then Sea Creatures yeah I think yeah. and and that was a time when you're just writing music and you, I suppose with Sea Creatures you were starting to get some sort of like exposure at least locally anyway but by the time you went in and did the album and you were kind of you know signed and you were doing that did 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 the reality of it, reality of it sink in a bit more like were you starting to be like okay this has to be good or was it still La La Land. Um... Honestly, I think, like, to be honest, because so much happened in the space of, like, two years, like, so much drastic stuff career-wise and life-wise, I really do struggle now to, like, piece together when things yeah. happened and what exactly happened. Um, just because it genuinely was a blur. Yeah, just, like, around that point in time, kind of, it was surreal because I knew... I got to the point where I could recognise that it was unique, my circumstance and the interest, you know, it doesn't happen to everyone. And it took me a while to kind of realized that because it was all I'd known at that time I just presumed this is what happened when you were young and like your songs were okay um so yeah once I like once I things were happening in emotion we were like I was flying over to London to meet people and people were flying from what was a huge significant moment was when like Universal and people from London were flying over to see me and actually Letterkenny Theatre which like in my eyes is kind of rural, random place for these, like, business execs to, like, fly over yeah. and <laughs> come hang at my weird 50-capacity show. T- totally. So when that was happening, I was like, this is, I guess, important. And I started to take it seriously then. I started, not that I was messing around before, but, like, I was kind of, like, laughing at things and kind of when I would be offered meetings and stuff, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. I didn't, t- I just, I just thought it was kind of a joke. And then when people were flying and things like that and given like contracts to look at I kind of realized that okay I'm really lucky I should probably start taking this seriously and like this could be my future and I'm only 16 17 now but these things are for like five albums time Mm -hmm. so like this is my future in front of me I need to like really not take the piss and my parents were really like 
significant in that moment in time and in, in like grounding me because like there were so many moments where I really could have just like I don't know got big headed and become that dickhead <laughs> um and like I think just the friends and family I've always had around me have been so like it's typical Irish humor you know you get cut to shit and that's how people tell you that they love you and mm-hmm. I love that I had that around me at that moment in time because when you're young and impressionable, it's not it's not good for your brain to be told that you're brilliant all the time. Of course, of course. At I think all. <laughs> and you have, like, from the outside, you've definitely, like, it seems like you've dealt with it really well. And you've, like... Um, yeah. I would say I've definitely had dickhead moments, <laughs> but I've just had them suppressed by my family. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you see... So when you eventually, when you, when you signed with... Uh, Rough Trade and Universal. You then re- recorded the first album, and um, before we for before we forgot how to dream. Yeah, and world's longest title. Yeah, <laughs> had to take a <laughs> breath there. Uh, who did you record that with? I, I know, but I'm going to ask for the purpose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I recorded it with Tommy McLaughlin, who has a studio called Attica Audio, which is actually where I am right now. He's just mm. built this um, residential kind of like. Airbnb type building right beside the studio, which is where we are now. Um, and it's like, it's it's incredible. Yeah, um, it's, ni- it's nice digs. His, his house isn't too bad either, is it? Yeah, <laughs> Tommy. Tommy's got class. That guy. Yeah. Um, you know, we record the first album here, and I kind of met Tommy just as things were kicking off, and there was a bit of buzz about whatever I was doing. And Tommy came to meet me actually at a show I was doing in Letterkenny. He was going to a wedding that evening, so he was actually gonna miss the show, but he was like, I just wanted to meet you and like, see what the crack was. And then I played a show with Villagers, who he, he was in that band at that point in time, and he'd made some of their albums. I played a couple of shows with them, and kind of just like, we got on. And then I came to record, I mean, cause I suppose here, Terman is like an hour from where I grew up in Derry. So it was the most convenient and also like I couldn't believe such a professional setup was so near my house and Tommy was so willing to like set me up and just like for no money or anything just for like to see what we could make it was really genuine and just for music and from kind of the beginning I trusted Tommy so much because that was his outlook on things and he was so genuine and I just started making songs with him and it was fun and good and then we just ended up making an album together and it was the most out of all the recording I've ever done and all the studio things I've ever been in, like that was the most significant studio, professional, whatever experience of my life. Just because it was so genuinely like fulfilling. Like it I don't know, making an album for the first time you'll never like I wish I could do it again because I just wish I could live that joy and that genuine like euphoria of hearing yourself for the first time and hearing a body of work for the first time and working with Tommy just felt right and has felt right like we've done so much together since and we're right back where we started now in the third album so Mm -hmm. um you know he's great and James is great too James played on my first album James Byrne and he's just in the room over there. He's going to play on this album too. So right. I really like that I've had those people around for so long. They feel they feel like weird older brothers now. <laughs> that is nice for you because you're going in there 
as a kid with an acoustic guitar and probably, you know, your first experience, I imagine, of being in a band as well and like what that comes with. And then you have these people who have been, like, you know, in Villagers and have, you know, seen a lot of it and know recorded, you know, great albums uh, and to have them with you and help you get, have them, have them get help, you know, guide you. It, yeah. it must have been, you know, that's, that's reassuring. And it's also like, it's a feeling of doing it, doing it all with somebody, you know, I think, yeah. you know, that's nice. Cause it's like, you know, if you write it, you know, if you hear a song back and it's you doing everything, I'm sure there is an element of excitement, but like seeing other people's reactions and how they kind of, you know, vibe to it uh, is <laughs> sorry it, you, I put that <laughs> you put that in my brain. vocabulary now <laughs> um, but yeah that's there's something re- like that's another that's an additional you know thing I yeah. think yeah big time you like yeah you must feel the same like writing on your own is can be fulfilling in different ways like I don't know I used to have a really skewed view of the writing process because I started out just like I would sit down and write a song and never do a second draft, never think about it again, and just do it, and it was done. Um, that's how I began, and like my process has changed so much through the years. And I think I had this impression that co-writing meant that you just weren't very efficient, or that like <laughs> you, I don't know. I just really thought I like I just had this view that co-writing meant that you weren't probably weren't very good, and you could just hide behind someone. At, I don't know. I just had this weird like. No, I think that's I th- that I didn't believe in it. Yeah, I, I totally understand. Like it was fake or something. And there's this, there's like, I, you know, I've heard people, I know Gallagher said something like once about like songwriters and writing with other people. But like the reality is that's what bands are. You know, like band, yeah. <laughs> bands are four people in a room writing together, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And if anything, you're like the laugher then because you're the person who can like literally form a different band for every song you want. Like you can pick and choose and like get rid of and add to and like just create this like lego kind of album like yeah i my my view of co-writing has changed drastically over the years and now i view it as like if you're genuinely going to write with someone because you want to make something meaningful and like you you want to share experience and you want to share you want to connect with another person and make something from that connection i think that's like what music is now and i think maybe after this year being what it was and you know, being removed from all the things that you like so much. What I really have savoured with being back here and making this album is just to be back in a room with people and share, like, have that like one idea and feeling in common that you're just, like, passionate about this one little song that you're working on at the time and, like, everybody gets excited about it and someone plays drums and you would never play drums on your song the way that they would play drums on your song. And you can feel that when you hear albums, like... I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm fully in like a love buzz with music at the moment where I'm just like, isn't that, it wonderful? Yeah. <laughs> so with the way you way you were talking there, like during during lockdown, you know, you feel this. You know, you, I I kind of felt this pressure to be able to write these songs and be productive in that time, and it took a bit of a sparkle off, like why I love doing music, and mm. I think part of that's also you know not being able to gig, and I I can't I need that I need to be away and doing things to be feel inspired, but. Yeah. Last week it was in a co-writing session with Ian Archer, who I know you've you've written with. The guy. Yeah, and he's a legend. Yeah, and seeing a guy who's that successful, who's been doing it for so long, and to see like how, like how he still totally believes in like, the, 
like the ma- it me sound cringy like but you can tell he's so like <laughs> mystified by like songs and like yeah. he believes there's a real magic to it and that made me feel because I'm I'm kind of I feel like I'm the same as you and maybe it's our backgrounds like I feel like I'm self-deprecating to like a point where it's probably not even good for myself you know like I'll oh be my like, god <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like oh it's, it's just a song it's just a, you know I kind of had sometimes felt like that but yeah. he- hearing him talk about songs and hearing like when we wrote that we wrote a, wrote a couple songs together and like that energy he felt, you know, I felt off him for it. And then yeah. you, you're working on this thing together. I was like, Jesus, this, get, this is such a special thing to be able to, to do. And that yeah, everyone did. genuinely yeah. contagious. That's yeah. what I've like come to see about co-writing. Like, I think it is so exciting that you can sit in a room and like bounce off someone and make something that you definitely would not have made alone. Because like, I think maybe it's a, co- like, maybe there's a presumption, but I think it's quite common to be, to become cynical with yourself when you write mainly alone or you're a solo artist, just because like you're always with yourself and it's hard to like yourself all the time. Like <laughs> I really struggle. Like I could be making maybe the best song I've ever written and I could still be like, this is shit. I can't play this instrument. What the fuck is a chord structure? And like, I often like this year has taught me more thing more than I've ever learned in a short space of time about music. Um, just because I've been forced to sit with myself and like work through all that self-doubt and like come out the other end. And it's been really fucking hard. <laughs> it's, it is work to like yourself. Oh God. Um, and like, but it's fulfilling when, when, you, when you stick with it. And I think more than anything, like from our discussion before, what I've really come to like hold is the be all and end all of music is that there is no rules. And like that's the one best like rule like rule to come back to when you're songwriting is that you can do anything and it can be any length of song and anything can happen in the song and any noise can happen and like it doesn't matter. Like you can literally do anything. Yeah. So, like that's why it's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's and it helps when you have someone there you know with you too yeah like, there's nothing better than someone being like oh my god what did you just do and you're like oh that shit thing and they're like no that was the best thing in the world yeah, and yeah. then you're like really because you wouldn't know if you were sitting doing it yourself sometimes yeah and that's why people should co-write it's mm-hmm. it's the best it's just a couple of lines like you know you just you know there's sometimes you just say things like i i don't know about you but i'm when i'm writing i like just uh gibberish and yeah someone might be in the room be like what did you just say there yeah, like then, that was God level. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you get a review about you that you're, you know, you're so wise and you're actually like, yeah, oh, you know, you're like, oh. who's <laughs> literally talking shit? And I think wisdom it, beyond his years. And he was uh, the, the thing is, what well, too, you'll sit and like, I don't know if you can relate, but like a lot of the time I'll sit and be like, now nah, that line's so average. Like, that's, there's nothing magical about that line, but it's probably because it's just come out of you naturally because you mean it. And then I'll sit and try to toggle the line and make it sound fancier, more poetic and stuff like that. And then it'll just be shit because it sounds dry hard. Whereas if you're sitting with someone, they're like, oh my God, that was beautiful, man. What you just said brought tear to my eye. And it's legit. Like, it changes. I don't know. It's just, yeah. don't, like, just cut off the idea of co-writing because you're being a prick like I did. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just such a, like, it's such a great way to make music sometimes. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. Um, so when to moving back to the to the album, so after the album came out and you were you know you're buzzing and it left the studio and then it went out into the ether into the public or whatever. Um, how did that feel? Like you know, you know, did you like was it 
I can't imagine ever, like I still have never released them, but I can't imagine it must be hard for anyone to, for it to ever be as fulfilling as the, as the making it. But how, yeah. did, how did it feel when it went out? Honestly, I really just recall being excited to do shows and like to have enough songs that we could do a longer show and yeah. that we could go tour something. Like that there was a, a thing now that we could promote for however long a period of time and we could travel and do it. it was more the excitement for me. It being out in the world was cool, but it was more the process of making it and getting to say those things and be told that like what you have to say is not just like like not not in any way above anyone else, just that like making an album is is important and you should savor that and feel good about it. And that whole process was really fun. And then actually putting it out was cool because there was a label involved and stuff and there was like billboards up in London. There was on the underground stuff like that was legit. Like that yeah. was very cool. But the actual like putting it out was kind of like, eh. it, was, it was cool, but like it didn't, it didn't do that much for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What yeah. kind of like, I think because I didn't have any expectations, like li- literally zero, because I'd never done any of it before. I'd never had a W album. Didn't know how things went. I just like remember being so surprised that like it was getting reviewed well and like people were interested and like the tours were selling well. Like I just remember being shocked that people actually cared about it because <laughs> it just I was just doing it because I was doing it. Um, so that just that just felt mental. And like when the Mercury Prize nomination things like that happened, like that was just like I don't know. I look back at it and I'm like, how was I just so like I really was fully on cloud nine for like twelve full consecutive months just like having the most euphoric crazy time because i didn't expect any of it i didn't even know what the fucking mercury prize was <laughs> we we were on tour and was on tour bus for the first time I was having the fucking best time of my life and i got a call from my managers and like it was on facetime and we were in some dingy bar and i was that was just like high on life i can't believe you said high on life and they were sitting in front of me, like on FaceTime, and they they were really official looking. You know when people grin and they do the grin where they're like, "We know something you don't know." Uh, they were doing that, and I was like, Haha, "I don't know what the fuck's going on." And then they told me about the Mercury Prize, and I was like, "They were super excited." And I was like, <laughs> "Wow, I can't believe it!" Because I was it? like nineteen. <laughs> I mean, maybe I should have known, but I was just kind of like, "Cool, what, what is it?" And then they were like, "No, it's like really big." And then we got off the phone call and Tommy and James like, came into the room. They're like, I think they might have known before. I think some, like, Steve and Jake might have told them, but they came in the room and was like, oh my God. And I was like, oh my God, really? Because of their reaction, I knew it was a big deal. And yeah, then yeah. I got super excited. But just everything like that was genuinely, nothing was made with that in mind. So it meant all the more when this thing that was just made out of like joy became important yeah. to other people i don't know it was cool that makes total sense it makes total sense and it's like yeah it's just the thing about expectation isn't it expectation you know and if, if you expect nothing then it's, everything's a good surprise yeah <laughs> um and then so obviously you did all that i'm just like i'm just gonna you know skip past like four years and uh <laughs> The future yeah and how so like that was a massive okay, it's a massive period of growth for you and then going in and doing the second album like so how did you uh grimtown how did you approach that and like what was different well grimtown was hard because 
I did the first album. We toured for quite a long time before the first album and quite a long time after it. So like it kind of became three years in the end, that whole era. And whilst it was the best time ever, it was also exhausting. And I spent like really significant parts of my like formative years, I guess, alone or like doing quite intense, like high pressure things. So when I was done that album cycle, I just really wanted to see my friends and I wanted to kind of do nothing for a while. Um, and then doing nothing for a while turned kind of depression, depress, depression-y, um, just because, I don't know, it's, it's, it's really difficult then to go from all this buzz around you and people like excited about you all the time to like silence and just being back where you began. Like I just came back to Derry and kind of, I reconnected with people and, I fell back into the flow of life, but I don't know. I felt different after all of the crazy shit that had happened. So I had, a, I, like, I, w- I had this, I had a hard time making music for a while because I wanted to be genuine, but I knew that there was things expected of me. So it was hard to create knowing that there was, there was an expectation from what I built with my first album. Um, so I spent like a, a year really like a really weird not happy year just trying to work out what I wanted and who I was and what I wanted to be and say and I think what really happened was I just started to like really overthink everything which is like the one worst thing you can do when you're trying to write songs um so that that was tough and then I moved around a bit I kind of like whilst my friends went to university I kind of like did the university thing but just still did music so I would like move around with them and like live in different houses with them but obviously my career I just do that as well um so I wrote Grimtown over like two years of that moving around and that weird trying to find my feet scenario and just really existential in terms of like I've really had a hard time figuring out what I was after I'd been spent such a long time being told what I was and like that was kind of a fucked up like head space to try and get my my mind around but ultimately like what happened I did some co-writing towards so I wrote like a lot of the album in that kind of weird depressing time where I was going through a lot of transition and then toward the end of the album because I don't like to do co-writing when I'm like starting anything because I don't want anybody to like change the direction of anything but I do want to work with people when I have an idea to work towards and so when I had Grimton in mind and I had this idea that like I would try to encapsulate this mental journey I was going on um, I started doing some co-writing and that I find that more therapeutic than anything to just sit with like-minded people uh, who understood the music industry um, and kind of just help people pick my brain apart and tell me let's stop the self-doubt a lot at that point in time I think just everything I was making I was really overthinking and trying to be too smart or trying too hard when ultimately like I don't know you can tell when people are doing that in their music it comes across Mm. so I think it was really that's when I hugely learned like how important it can be to share music with other people and to make music with other people and what that can do for like your actual soul as opposed to just like your career and your brain it like that was really like I needed that at that moment in time and so Grimtown came together between 
I don't know, just kind of a mess, really. But yeah. <laughs> no, and just on so real, few really interesting things there. Like, was it ever a thing where you were like, "Is this music thing for me?" Or was it just like when you were saying you didn't know what you wanted to do or who you were? Was it just yeah. Like- I think no. I think that was part of the problem though. Is that I felt like I don't want to say music to me because oh my god, I hate the idea of that line. But you're, you're high on life though. You can't say these things. Don't ever repeat that again. Um, I think because I'd been doing the music thing from a young age and because it was kind of coming together, I was just like, right, well, this is it now. Like, I have to fulfill what's been set out in front of me. Like, these are incredible opportunities. And I, and I wanted to as well. Like, I love music. I can't actually imagine, like, if the next thing I do flops and does shit, like, I still, I need to be doing this in some capacity because I just can't imagine living my life. And I just would always miss it. So, you know I mean, like, I, I know that I need to, even if I do this for like 10 years and it goes nowhere from now, like it just needs, I don't know. I'm willing to like be in pain mm-hmm. for, for this to continue. Um, and actually I remember like the, one of the first tours I did was with this band called Tegan and Sarah when I was like, when I was young and they were one of my favorite bands. And then the green room, one of them turned on me and was like, you know, you don't have to do this. Like just cause there's labels involved, you, this doesn't have to be a career. And at that moment in time, I was offended because I was like, Oh my god this is the best thing in the world why would you tell me i don't have to do this but now i know that like them at their beginning of their career they they were like doubtful that this was for them and they maybe felt like forced into it or yeah. i don't know yeah like the thing you said there about your friends that's such a clever thing you did you know it's, you know when you're especially when you're like 18 17 and there's like i don't know there's no we didn't have like a talk with our teachers about like we're going to take a year out and do music it was like <laughs> you're going to university or you're not there you're getting yeah. a job you know so when you're seeing you're a like, failure or... yeah so when you're seeing a lot of your friends go off to uni and do things like that there must have been a point but i don't know i can't speak for you but like was there a point where you're like oh god you know to have a would you like a, a normal life for you like at all <laughs> like well i like often fantasize about well, not fantasize but i do often think like I wonder what I would have done had this music thing not worked. And I, and I always come to the conclusion that, like, I sh- I'm sure I would have, like, worked out an alternative career. But I think I would have been really fucking lost as well for a really long time, being like, what the fuck is being an adult? Like, what is, like, oh, my God, you're really thrown in there, like. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, God. So, I like, when all my friends were going to uni, I was like, I don't know, there's no way I'm standing here on my own. And to go... Yeah. And I'd like experienced the world like a bit earlier than most in terms of like getting thrown into the turn and stuff. And I was like, no, I know how fun it is like live like this and do that. I'm like, I want to come with you guys. And thus began, I lived above a chicken shop for like a year. It was like the best time ever. <laughs> and I'm so glad I had like those uni experiences without going to lectures. Yeah, that's actually the best part. That was the best like, way you yeah. could have done it. Yeah, no uni, lucky. but uni. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's like yeah great that's great stuff um that's great stuff no, they're great stories <laughs> <laughs> hi on life uh no so now really exciting you've you mentioned it before you're in and you recorded you recorded uh grimtown with tommy as well no i actually i recorded grimtown with someone who i i'd been co-writing a bit with a guy called aunt whiting and emily phillips they're <laughs> like married and they're like married they are married (laughs) 
and we I made the album with Ant in Shepherd's Bush in London. And that was really fun. Uh, whilst it was great working with Ant and in Drips and Drabs, it's kind of a lot, it's really fulfilling to be working in real time now. So we're like doing drums and then like finishing a song a day every two days and like seeing real time results from what you're doing is just so exciting. And like you can thrive off that energy and then make things even better, I think. Uh, and also I think just like the kind of relationship I have with like Sophie and Tommy and James, you're all here. It, gen- it just like, it just, it's, it's just fun and friendship over everything else. So it's, I don't know. It just, things mean more when, when all your hearts are in it and like now what we're making just feels like a relief really. I think everybody was so looking forward to just being together and making music and we'd all missed it that like, to sit and actually perform things just like it's like picking up a guitar for the first time nearly you know yeah i know it, I, I can totally imagine I totally, I totally imagine and just on the last thing on that um were the songs written you're saying like you're you know you're kind of you know tracking drums and creating things when you're in the studio yeah. with the song are the songs written fully before you went into the studio or are you still kind of yeah so for the it's this is the fastest i've ever written an album um I think just because I do a lot of self-avoidance <laughs> on this record, I was like, right, it's me and you, we're doing this. I don't care how long it takes, I don't care how stubborn and like how fucking annoying I'm going to be to myself. I'm going to do this. So I really focused on it. And I think the album was like lyrically just such a lifeline this year, like to to have a place that I would go and I would say all these things and all these emotions and, just do it all kind of unapologetically was such a huge, oh my God, I actually don't have a fucking clue what I would have, where or what I would be doing if like I didn't have that to express myself. And so I just like, everything went into it. Um, And I wrote the whole thing this year. And then I would have like a song like 70% done or I'd have a cool chord structure or I'd have loads of bits for a song. Cause I love to know, I want, I want to know the direction before anybody touches it. Like I don't want it to be altered. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want anybody to like put words in my mouth or have a, it has to be my voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like what, what was great about this year was me and Tommy really spent a lot of time just like, just hanging out really for the most part, getting coffees and just talking about music that we like. And then kind of naturally we just end up sitting together with two guitars and no like, I don't know, no sitting with MIDI and like fucking around, spend ages on drum sounds or anything. It was just very, let's just sit and play the song and just like make the song as good as, as it can be and say the things you have to say and let's just make it for us. And it like, it was very much, I don't know, I just felt like really fulfilled and I hadn't felt that fulfilled in music for a long time until I was like, because I really trust Tommy's opinion and like he's kind of my ideal collaborator because I trust him so much. So to sit down and have him be like, I like that, that's cool. And I'm like, I like that, that is cool. I was, I felt at peace. And sometimes when you're working alone and you can be like, Ugh. so I I wrote most of it alone. And then the bits I didn't write alone, me and Tommy got together and just had a nice time. I think that's why, why making it right now just feels like, I don't even care if nobody likes it. Like, I think it's really cool. So I'm happy and that's all that really matters. Absolutely. And it- for that reason, I'm sure it will be cool. <laughs> Who knows? Um, 
So before you go, I just want to chat to you briefly about a few influences you have. This is our, we call this our musical notes section because it is a whiskey. Ooh. Yeah, you know, it's a whiskey <laughs> podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. If I had the whiskey here, I'd be like, oh, the musical notes of this. Yeah, you would be sipping away. Yeah. Comparing, <laughs> uh, comparing Dead Rabbit to one of your favorite bands. So, um, <laughs> I can't can do we, that, you know, on like an advertisement video. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Definitely. Def- oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. We'll have to get that separately. Uh, and we'll put, a, put, we'll put big money promotion behind it. Um, <laughs> uh, so can we just chat about maybe a couple, two or three, who you've like, yeah, you know, who've been important to you? At the moment, this year I really discovered Wilco and I'd been told like, Tommy's been such a consistent in my life for the past 10 years. He's always the person that's like, check this out. I know you'll like it. And he's usually right. And he used to always say, check out Wilco. And I would say, I don't like them. <laughs> but I've never, I don't know. I really believe in that, like, sometimes music clicks when it's supposed to. And, like, it just never clicked with me before Wilco. And then recently in the past year, I've been like, oh, my God, genius. And, I, like... <laughs> It's crazy, like literally, there would have been years ago. I would've been like, "This is stupid." That, that is such a band. For me. Wilco is is that's one of those bands. That is like, the band, though, that you're like, like huh? Yeah, but I'm still not there. I mean, now maybe after this, I go and listen. Maybe back tomorrow. Then. Yeah, like, yeah, because maybe it, yeah, I needed that one extra push. But anybody who I like, not I respect all musicians. I respect everybody. But I mean, like, you know, musicians whose music I really like always tell me about Wilco. Like they're like, yeah. oh, Wilco's, and I, I was just. I, I, no, I'll have to go back. Like, no, I, I did will. the same thing. Yeah. You make me feel better yeah. about myself because I was like, <laughs> am I just like a brat then that can't respect music because I don't like Wilco? But actually, yeah. I would like actually fully sat last night and went, you know, Genius Lyrics, that like website. I went through yeah. a whole album of theirs line for line, like reading all the connotations and annotations, whatever. That's like, that's how much they clicked. So I believe that's going to happen for you too. Okay, I'll hold you to that one. Okay. Now, yeah. Listen to that um, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. That that is an album. Okay. Yeah, that's the one I hear about. I hear about a lot. Um, okay. Yeah. Cool. So you... them. Yeah. Uh, I read this book by the Japanese. The Japanese Breakfast are a band, but the girl behind it is called Michelle Zahner, and she wrote this book called Crying in H Mart about her. Like her mum died. Um, she was terminally ill and she kind of just wrote about the whole process and I'd really liked her albums before that so I like I don't know you know when you just get that someone's good at everything creative I got that impression of her and the book very much is that and she just released a new album as well and it's like super eclectic it goes from like this song that's called Be Sweet which is like an 80s pop absolute banger it's incredible it's such a good song to like the song which is about um being in a like an underground bunker it's called uh savage good boy and it's about like this rich guy who wants her to come and live in his underground bunker for the apocalypse it's okay. super eclectic and it's just pop, not not an 80s pop banger no no not at all i don't, <laughs> I don't know i would, don't know how to ex- like describe it it's okay. just it's a bit of everything and it's it's very smart i find yeah. it's very good I, so I've been listening to a lot of, of them or her, like her, I guess. And recently, not not an artist specifically, but that Sharon Van Etten and Angel Olsen song. Have you heard it? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. That's just. Yeah. Amazing. Like they're they're two. 
again, they're two artists. People had now, and it wasn't. I think it was quite. It was quite instant for both of them that I really liked them. But there were two artists. A lot of people whose music I would listen to recommended them. And uh, but that song is that's an amazing song. Um, yeah, it's proper like um, Springsteen as well. Yeah, like it's like that? he's nearly in it as well. Perfect trio. Yeah. The um. Springs, I, I'm like I don't know. Was there like a resurgence in Springsteen or something? Not there was. He never went away. But I, I was listening to this band <laughs> I called. I agree. Um, what do you call them? Bleachers, and they have a song with I Bruce. I knew you were gonna say that. Yeah. Jack Antonoff. I, yes, and the song Chinatown. Yeah. They, do you know they actually have a song with Bruce Springsteen as well? Yeah. Is is that not is, that is Chinatown? Is he that sings, Chinatown? Yeah, yeah. 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 And like that song is because I'm listening to that song being like this is like Springsteen. Yeah. Uh, and then halfway through. There is. Oh, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> There's your man at all. <laughs> yeah, and then I saw a Killers song today. Like, what's the man? No, he must be. Oh, there yeah, he's, he's, he's doing just... the rounds, like. Yeah. How do I get him to Donegal? Play <laughs> 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 some crack. Um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but with uh, Big Thief and Adriani Lanker, you kinda, you're speaking about them as well. Yeah, I mean, always. It's a consistent, though. I just feel like. I only actually learned the other day that all Big Thief songs are actually like when you go on the credits, it's all Adrian Linker as well. So she's just like literally a godlike genius who can do no harm. And it's like the amount of output that they have and they they are a faultless band in my eyes. I think they're just a consistent, like I always go back to them for inspiration. They're just like, they're a band that are so great to drive around to. And like, I find I'll just get ideas off their ideas. Like I'll hear a line and I'll be like, ooh, that's, I I remember that. Do you know what I mean? It'll spark something every single time. I just so think prolific. A gold mine. Yeah, so prolific. I didn't know that she like that, like I didn't realize that she because obviously yeah. she's her own album. It's just an instrumental album. It's then, fucking like, insane. It's yeah, actually yeah. criminal. <laughs> yeah, and then but I, so then she's writing the big thief songs. But the thing about them, and I'll say that's for the band too. That they have a really nice. There's a really nice gonna say your word again a really nice vibe to them like <laughs> it's I, gonna be in your head now yeah, you know? totally. you're gonna say vibe all the time yeah. and be like oh, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> but like they, they all bring something to it i don't know there's just something i don't know it's just like a nice there's a nice thing about that it's band. like how the fuck did they find one another because like nobody no i can't imagine any other person fitting into that band as perfect as all of them yeah. do yeah it's, it is the strongest vibe yeah <laughs> it's the last big, time I saw vibe. big big vibes um Take the more like big <laughs> um, Peter, could we hear an extract? Do you have anything? We'll just look, just to play a few, uh, in case the audience don't know any of these songs. Could you maybe? Hi, put, yeah. Hey, hey guys. Hey, Brody. It's your very lucky day because I'm going to play a song for you. Basically, each week I come on and play a song because Connor just loves what I do. And he can't get it's enough. Not, necess- not necessarily true. But you're lucky um, enough to be witness to today, and it's going to be one of your favourite bands. I'm so uh, lucky. Yeah, you ready? Shisidu. Baby, oh my god, are you going to give me a live performance? Take me. And I'll sit Baby, take me too. <laughs> it came over her at a bad time. Riding through Winona down the dotted line Held us going out 90 miles down the road of a dead-end dream She looked over I really feel like this is going to kick off on TikTok Caught up in the twinkle of guitar In the money pile This would be the best cover I've ever heard I want this as my ringtone She said ooh 
baby, take me. Oh, she had a tambourine. I said, ooh, <laughs> baby, take me too. Thank you so much. That's how she ends her song as well. Is it? <laughs> she just kind of sort of go like that. <laughs> That's enough. You've had, you've, had, you've had enough. Yeah. You've had all your so, treats for today. Yeah. <laughs> Jog Christmas on. Christmas came early. <laughs> Thanks very much, Peter. You're so welcome. Thank you so much, Peter. I'll, I'll go back in my box again. I'll, Get in I'll your see box you guys now. next week. No. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for putting up with us, Brady. And, uh, Thank you so much. It's been the best. I nearly said it was Friday. Best Thursday of my life. Good. Um, I hope the uh, I hope everything goes well with the album. And I'm really genuinely looking forward to hearing it. And, yeah, just glad, glad to see and glad to hear things are going well for you. And we'll get that whiskey... Up to your granny's ass For up. sure. And hopefully <laughs> no, I'll see you in person soon enough when we can taste the musical notes. Yeah, we have the musical too. notes together. Yeah, we can sample them. Yeah, I'd show you Max. We'll buzz off our fives. We'll, listen yeah. to mu- we'll taste the musical notes. We'll be, be high on life. Yeah, it'll be <laughs> great. It'll be a trip. Great, yeah, great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good to speak to you. You okay. too. I'll see you later, man. Bye. Uh, yeah, what, really enjoyed that. Yes. Really enjoyed that. I think just some really like I actually took a lot from that because some of the things they were saying about like how they felt, you know, with with their writing, um, and that thing about just like do the thing that you like. That's so. It's like you know, it's like us the other day when I'm bringing in this great song, and you're like, yeah. it sounds like you know a school, a yeah, children's exactly. school rhyme. Yeah. So basically, I, I, do the thing that I like is what I'm no. getting from this. <laughs> See, I want I want friends like Tommy. I want people who come in and be like, "Yes, Connor, that's great," and then I I come in and you're frigging giving me shit. Well, you know, if it was great, I'd say. <laughs> well, in reality, it is your project, so I'm just there to please you. Yes, yeah. not sexually or anything. No. Okay. No. Before no. you get any ideas. Um, yeah, so listen, this is what's going to happen, right? Um, mm-hmm. Next week, you bring in a couple of new songs and we'll evaluate them, evaluate them. <laughs> okay? <laughs> okay. That, that sounds fair. I'm, 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 fe- I'm actually feeling quite inspired. I might go and write something. Uh, what's your plans for this evening? I'm going to go and write something. <laughs> okay, well, look, I think, you know, if you've nothing good to say, say nothing. And at this rate, we have absolutely nothing good to say. Well, yeah, we've nothing, Connor, but, thanks you know. for coming on. Uh, you know, thanks for coming on the show and doing the bare minimum to get through it. Appreciate it. I actually feel, and like, okay, I'll admit, some weeks I feel like you do offer as much as I do, but I think this week, this the podcast was I, I carried it on my back. It was a good even keel. Mm-hmm. I feel I was the the sexy abs and fight club club, and you were the soft undergarment <laughs> i was best supporting um best supporting actor no you, you weren't even nominated i that i yeah i was i was uh, i felt like i really carried the show tonight well if it's just insult peter <coughs> day then i'll probably be on my way yeah well can you turn on your camera for next week because I, I don't like not seeing you i don't trust you what are you, what are you doing right now giving you the finger <laughs> <laughs> i thought we've been over this this is this is my default position, two fingers. <laughs> Have you had your fingers up for 
like the past hour then? I, I took them down for for one thing, and that was to play the songs of Bridie. Okay. And then straight back up with the fingers. Okay. Okay, so just bear that in mind. Well, I can't deny you're dedicated, and uh, I'll not fault you for your application. But on that note, see you later. I bid you fair do.